The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Especially important tonight is to actually feel grateful and good about making it through the six weeks. As I've mentioned several times, you know, one of the major tendencies of our minds these days is, you know, we have lots of good thoughts, good inclinations, but follow through is really hard. Just, I think it's especially endemic with our information systems for us to get pulled in different directions. And even though we may initially feel quite inspired about something, we don't follow through. So take the time to feel good about having followed through. And that doesn't mean you made all six weeks, but that you stuck with it as best you can. And I'm sure if you actually did some of the practice, you know, besides the guided meditations when we come together on Tuesday night, but, you know, made your best effort to do some practice on your own, you realized how challenging it is to be mindfully aware. So completing the six weeks, and even in my case, you know, completing 37 years of pretty dedicated practice, I feel that I'm a sincere beginner in the practice. Doesn't mean I haven't learned a thing or two. Doesn't mean I haven't experienced real fruits from the practice. Just means that the what the practice delivers is quite vast. And I think even appropriate to use the word incomprehensible, what it leads to, this awakening process. And so the gratitude is really more about having stuck with it, having sort of found something that my heart and, and hopefully yours as well, deeply values. There's something about showing up to life in this open, curious, undefended way that's deeply, deeply trustworthy. And unfortunately, really hard. It's not complicated hard. It's just hard because the habits of our mind, the habits of our heart are to be distracted and superficial and over and over again deflected away into our thoughts about things as opposed to being intimate, being open, feeling, letting the moment in, in a way, and letting the moment, the sound, the sight, the touch, the movement of emotion, really letting it have its effect. So there's something that, excuse me, there's something that arises slowly, gradually in practice. So in a way, the whole path is getting more and more clear of where the path leads. So whatever you think the path is about, it's good to have a lot of humility. Like, okay, this is what I think, but I know that I don't really know. So that we're open to the sense of what it's all about, where it all leads, that that's uh, sort of an ongoing refinement. So, you know, we have words. Like we say, oh yeah, I'm able to be more spacious, more equanimous, more easy, more even with the ups and downs of life. 
the Buddha, and I think I mentioned this in one of the earlier classes, the eight worldly winds, it's called in the tradition, gain and loss, praise and blame, fame and disrepute. See, there's two more. Gain and loss, uh, pleasure and pain, gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, praise and blame. And that is our, that is the Buddha's description of human existence, right? Sometimes people like us, sometimes they don't. Sometimes my body feels good, give me a nice massage, I feel all light and tingly, or a nice sauna and then cold shower, right? Can feel really good. And then other times, especially as we get older or sick, body doesn't feel good at all. Sometimes we're respected, and sometimes people don't want to be around us. And of course, it's not this, this doesn't mean it's the same for all of us. Some of us have more good fortune, more privilege, others less fortune, less privilege, more oppression. But all of us are being pushed around or moved around between these eight worldly winds. So hopefully you're sensing that the practice isn't just about, or any, you know, even, you know, just generally spiritual life isn't about <clears throat> having a good, powerful, beautiful experience. It's really, in, at least in these uh, teachings from the Buddha, the point of spiritual life is to be this deepening capacity to be open, to be at ease, no matter the conditions. So instead of applying myself to have nice experience, I'm developing this capacity to be at ease, to be kind and loving, to be clear and wise, no matter the circumstance, no matter the conditions. So in this sense, we're practicing so that we can be balanced and kind when we're dying, when a good friend or loved one is dying, so we can be even and balanced and at ease when really good things are happening, when really difficult things are happening, so that the clarity and the kindness and the breadth and depth of understanding is there no matter whether it's a boring moment or a special moment, so we can really show up in our lives, whatever we do in life. So that's really good to bring to mind, because then it, it actually helps us understand why we might put aside 30 minutes a day or 45 minutes a day, or if we're lucky, an hour a day to practice. Right? So then, oh, okay, so here... And the relative simplicity of this 30-minute sit I'm going to do, where I'm sitting in a comfortable way, I'm in the space in my home where it's going to be relatively quiet, my cell phone is off, the cat or dog is in the other room, I've got the timer so I don't have to worry about how long. You know, it's like a pretty simple, pretty ideal situation the right time of day, not too hungry, not too full, not too sleepy, not too restless. So we find the, you know, in our each of our particular situation, we find the best time 
And then what are we doing? Well, we're practicing being at ease, being intimate and at ease, this marriage of intimacy and non-attachment with the eight worldly winds, gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, praise and blame. But of course, it's not we're not interacting with other people, so it's just the storms within our own heart and mind, right? But we're remaining upright, at ease, relaxed, clearly aware, intimate, and not blown around by sensation, by sound, by thought, by memory, by emotion. But that's not the same as repressing. Now, we've created a relatively simple place, like kindergarten, right? So that 30-minute sit or 45-minute sit that you've established in your life, you know, if not every day, most days, ideally, it's going back to kindergarten where, okay, now we're in this part of my day is as simple as it can get. I'm going to practice exposing myself to the eight worldly winds, whatever moves in my body, whatever moves in the room, whatever moves in my heart, whatever moves in my mind. And I'm going to practice being intimate, seeing it, feeling it, letting it express itself, letting it touch the sensitivity of the heart, let it be known. But there's something that remains unstained, unmoved. But it isn't that unstained, unmoved, that peacefulness doesn't come from being hard or distant, like, oh, I'm over here a million miles away on the watchtower, looking at my life, looking at my body, looking at those memories that are arising from some distance. We want that sense of being spacious and unmoved and peaceful. That's why we want it to be right in the middle. That's why we really emphasize the intimacy and the openness and the undefendedness. So how to be right there when a thought arises, when an emotion arises, when sensation, pain in the knee arises, when a irritating sound arises. Oh yeah, sometimes it's like this. Can this be okay? That's a real question. Is it safe now in my formal training, that my 30-minute sit, is it safe for me to remain intimate, relaxed, and not attached, like letting life rip? So whatever memory, whatever distraction, whatever sound, whatever smell, whatever scratching on the door from the dog arises, it's just something being known, being felt. I mean, short of the building burning down, we practice staying put. Oh, yeah, sometimes the dog freaks out in the other room. Can that be okay? Yeah, it's probably okay for the rest of the set. Oh, my, oh, did I leave my phone on? It's ringing. Oh, that's okay for me not to know what that's about. Yeah, it's okay. Because I, if I had my act together, I would have shut it off anyway. So it's okay. I, I'll deal with it when the sit's over. And every time our to-do list arises, you know, it's interesting. We can avoid <clears throat> so many things for weeks on, a, on end, but somehow when it comes up in the middle of a sit, this is the time I should do this. You know, oh, and now I got to clean the bathroom, or now I need to do this thing on my to-do list. Well, you know, we've been avoiding it for weeks. 
I think I can wait until we're done with the sit. So there's something about the formality of that ritual of sitting the body down in a relatively comfortable way, let the body express the interest in being intimate by being somewhat upright, but in a way that maintains the comfort, right? So whatever that looks like with your body's age and injuries and whatever, because even, you know, when there's really a lot of pain, you can even do the practice lying down because the pain will keep you alert, right? So you don't need to actually be sitting up. So let the posture somehow reflect the intention to be intimate, to see things, feel things just as they are. So we're not practicing to get to heaven. We're not practicing for some special experience, but they do come. There will be moments in the meditation, maybe some of you have experienced really deep states of calm and peace, sometimes real waves of ecstasy, or we call it rapture. The Pali word is piti, P-I-T-I, piti. And it's it can really feel like the body-mind is floating, so light, so free. But remember when those nice meditative experiences come, it's something being known. Pleasure is being known, rapture, joy is being known, calm, peace is being known. And then when things are really difficult and there's tremendous sadness or grief or physical pain or energetic restlessness or whatever it might be, basically anything under the sun can and does arise, lasts for a while and then ceases and something else happens, right? It's always been that way. It always will be. But the the ultimate goal on the practice isn't to have nice experience because however nice the experience is, it will express nature, which is things come and go things come and go. So we can't get dependent on a nice sit. But what we can take refuge in is the wisdom, the, the real heart of wisdom, knowing how to be at ease, how to be spacious, how to not be afraid, not attached, no matter the conditions that come and go. And that's why, and I might have mentioned this earlier, but when we talk about the knowing mind, right? Because you've heard me say already in these six classes, oh, it's just this being known. So that awareness, that mindful awareness, that cultivating, the reason the Buddha relies on that isn't that it's um, somehow our salvation, awareness. Awareness is just what it is. It's awareness. It's that part of the mind that illuminates experience so that it's known. But there's something about the uh, process of being aware that helps the heart realize the the weight of freedom, let's say. Because the the interesting thing about awareness, and we'll we'll do the loving-kindness practice for the first 15 minutes tonight, and you'll see that too. 
there's something about love, there's something about mindful awareness that remains unstained no matter what the awareness knows. The awareness, like if I'm aware, like say you do something that really makes me angry, right? And let's say there's some momentum in my practice, so I'm aware, oh yeah, I'm really angry. Anger's like this. The awareness of the anger isn't angry, right? Anger is being known. I, maybe I feel the heat of my body. Maybe I feel the constriction in my chest. Maybe I notice these impulses to want to say something back, you know, that point my finger in the person's face and say something that will really put that person in their place or whatever. But, but the, that space of awareness or that space of self-compassion, some flavor of love, it can see the reactivity it can even sense the unskillfulness of it. But the awareness, the kind, wise presence, isn't what it's seeing, what it's experiencing. So one of the reasons we really, and you see how that relates to equanimity in the face of the complexity of life, the good and the bad and the ugly, right? So by um, really being uh, highlighting and learning how to be established in that awareness. Oh, this is being known. This is being known. We're really learning something about non-attachment. And that something we learn about non-attachment requires the exposure. Not like when we get into really beautiful, concentrated, Call meditation states, we have this temporary seclusion from how wild and messy, complex life is. So when they come your way, those quiet, peaceful, secluded meditative states, totally abide in those beautiful spiritual states as long as they last. As you're maybe entering, you might just remind yourself, this is a very wholesome, healing, meditative state. And like everything else, it will come and go. But as long as it persists, of course, I'm going to relax. Of course, I'm going to appreciate. Of course, I'm going to let it have its healing effect. Why wouldn't I? Right? We don't have to, just because it's something that comes and goes, doesn't mean it isn't really healing and therapeutic, spiritually, emotionally therapeutic. It is. These deeper states of calm really are healing. But, but what we're really taking refuge in is this capacity to be intimate without being stained, without being contaminated by the wildness and the messiness of life. So we can keep showing up and responding and being a skillful human being and all the roles that we play with our friends, with our partners, with the wider world. You can be a good person. So that's probably enough to get us started. And so for the guided uh, sit tonight, I thought I would go through the formal loving kindness practice for about the first 15 minutes. Then we'll take 10 minutes or so and we'll do what you probably are normally doing at home for the bulk of your sitting time, which is using an anchor in some way 
some of you will be, it will be appropriate at some times to be really dedicated to your anchor, like the feeling the breath coming in, feeling the breath going out. Other times when the mind is more settled, the anchor is there, but you can notice other phenomena coming and going. Oh, planning mind is being known. Hearing sounds are being known. And then back with the breath. So you're sort of, the breath may be in the periphery. Sometimes it's in the forefront of attention, sometimes in the periphery. And then for the last few minutes, like we've been doing, we'll go to open awareness where we're not dependent on attending to the anchor at all. And whatever phenomena, whatever, whatever experience is being known, then that's the meditation object in that moment. And that really lends itself to practice in daily life. And for that last little bit, last few minutes, you might want to practice with the eyes open. Okay, so just go ahead and stretch out. And then we'll sit for about 30 minutes. Kyle has volunteered to say a few words about um, how the center operates. We'll do that before we end at 9 o'clock. But there'll be time for questions uh, before that. So take your time, settle in, making this wise resolve to sit in a way that's relatively comfortable and relaxed and also relatively still. See what makes sense for your body tonight. It won't be perfect, just do the best you can. And just uh, as a way of collecting the mind, collecting the heart, just listening to the sound of the bell. I'll just ring it three times. Do a little hearing meditation. And this sense, this beautiful and wholesome sense of meeting our own life right here. And of course, the most obvious part of our life is the physicality now of this body sitting here. Sensing the rhythm of the breath and the beating of the heart and the upright structure of the body, all the different touch points. And in a very simple, sincere way, just 
appreciating this vehicle of our life, this body. And the simple truth, doesn't mean the body's perfect, but the simple truth, I do care about this body. And I care enough, it's healing now just to be, to know that the heart is sensitive, is present with this body, appreciating, caring for this body and wishing well. And you can repeat some of these phrases after I say them out loud. But just connect with the meaning of these words. May this body be safe and protected. May wisdom and love protect this body. And may it be happy and healthy and at ease in life. I do care about this body. I care enough right now to be close, to be really open or listening, receiving the reality of the sitting body just as it is. And I care enough to wish well, these simple wishes, heartfelt wishes that we can repeat. May this body be safe and may wisdom and love protect this body. May it be happy and healthy and at ease in life. May this tender aging body, fragile body, may it be safe. May wisdom and love protect this body. May it be happy and healthy and at ease in life. So just continue on your own. Of course, you can come up with your own phrase or word to repeat. Or just do it in silence, just a warmth, generous, warm, kind, holding, connecting with the body. As if you were smiling toward the body in appreciation and loving wishes.
And sensing in your own way the body being touched by this simple kindness and well-wishing. And we sense the sensitive heart here, a heart that cares, a heart that feels so many different feelings and emotions, has so many different thoughts. I do care about this sensitive heart. The sensitive heart that's right at the center of this life. And I care enough now to be attentive to how the heart is right now, just to show up and be attentive, feel what's here to feel in the heart, and to smile at my own heart, and to wish well, why not? May this heart be safe. And may wisdom and love protect this heart always. May this heart be happy and healthy and at ease in the world. I do care about this heart. May the heart, this life, be safe. May wisdom and love protect me, protect this heart. And may it be happy and healthy and at ease in life. So just continue on your own, connecting with your own heart right here, right now. Don't be shy if it helps to repeat a simple word or a phrase like I've suggested, then do that. If you don't need any phrase, then just do it in silence, just keeping this loving kindness in mind toward oneself.
So we're practicing, doing our best, abiding in a very natural generosity, kindness of the heart. Caring about the body, caring about our own sensitive heart here. And this basic love has the nature to expand. So you might just feel, in a sense, it's spilling over when you care about the people in the class, you care about your pet in the other room or your partner or your friend. Almost like a beautiful, warm glow that radiates out in all directions. Love for its own sake, but in a most in the most simple, natural sense, this goodness of the heart, this benevolence of the heart, shining out. I will abide pervading all the directions with this heart imbued with love, above and below, all around, everywhere and every way, I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world with love, with kindness, abundant, beautiful, free from any ill will, I will abide. So we're learning to abide with this basic goodness, basic kindness of the heart. And if you need, then just bring to mind some of the people that remind you of this capacity to be loving in a generous sense. We'll bring some words to mind that help this confidence that this heart is good capable of well-wishing. So we'll continue for another five minutes in silence. The meditation object is the radiance of goodness, of kindness. Just as best you can, keep it going.
And you can continue with the loving-kindness meditation where the theme or the meditation object is the emotion or attitude of love itself, keeping it simple. But otherwise, just transition, if you'd like, to mindfulness of breathing, breathing in, experiencing the whole body just as it is, feeling the breath going out, experiencing the whole body just as it is. And you'll see how well the quality of metta, loving kindness, just carries over into mindfulness practice. This kind presence with the physicality of the sitting body, the breathing body. And when other objects of experience arise, so-called distractions, then just be aware in a kind way. Oh yeah, this is being known now. It's just this phenomena being known, being felt. Like everything else, it arises, it will pass away on its own. So I can be aware in this clear and kind way. And we cultivate a continuity of mindful awareness as best we can willing to start over again and again. So we'll continue in silence for about 10 minutes.
So remember, we're learning how to be in the middle of the eight worldly winds, different experiences coming and going, pleasant and unpleasant and neutral ones. And whether we're with a particular anchor, feeling the breath or feeling the body as the breath comes in, goes out, or noticing some mental pattern, emotional feeling, sound, sight, whatever. It's just this experience being known, being felt. And if there's a not liking happening, well, that not liking is just the next thing being known, felt. So remember, it can be helpful to acknowledge what's being felt and known. Oh yeah, this is being known. It's like this now. That can evoke that spacious, wise, non-attachment with the phenomenas, experiences that come and go.
And whenever you like now, you can allow the eyes to open if they've been closed. And of course, we're not looking around, just sitting relatively still, relaxed. And being less dependent now on the anchor. So whatever the mind is knowing, see if you can recognize or remember this is being known. This is what the mind is knowing. You don't need, of course, that language in your mind. What we're interested in is this very simple continuity of present moment awareness. Remember, it's okay to relax. And if you notice yourself directing the attention, then notice that that's happening in the moment. This is something being known. In a way, we're learning how to abide in the totality of things here in the moment. Not picking and choosing. And in a deeper sense, not even feeling the need to do. In a sense, you're just willing to be. So we'll continue for a few more minutes. Keep it really simple, sitting here in a relaxed and alert way. We're just curious about that marriage of intimacy and non-attachment, letting things be. How to be both alert and interested and present, 
and letting whatever's coming and going, internally, externally, just letting it be, free of attachment. So if we want to be free in life generally, then here in our practice, we practice being intimate and free with whatever is coming and going. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.